So joining me now, it's a it's an absolute privilege to have uh, Everton's most successful captain, making over three hundred and fifty appearances, coming through the academy, going on to lift two titles, an FA Cup and a European Cup Winners' Cup, whilst also captain in Wales. And I think importantly as well, it's a, quite a significant day. It marks the anniversary of us winning our eighth league title on this day in eighty five. Yeah, Kevin Ratcliffe, how are you, pal? I'm great, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. Good. Uh, just. First and foremost, because I've been you know, interviews that I've had over this last month or so, I just feel like yeah, just asking people, how are you holding up with this whole lockdown, COVID-19? Uh, I've been in Spain for eight weeks, stuck yeah. out there. So, so uh, we had a, a little bit of problem. My wife fell off the stepladders oh. and uh, fractured a, a foot in three places. So when we were due back, uh, we couldn't get a certificate to fly for her. So uh, we ended up staying there. And then the next flight was cancelled, and uh, that's all it's been. We've been sitting out there, lucky enough, we got a, a little apartment, um, and the weather wasn't great, so it didn't entice you to go out. But the, the rules are very strict over there. Mm. Um, you step out of line, you know, if you're caught walking where you shouldn't be. Well, you, in fact, you couldn't go out and walk unless you go in the bin or some necessity. Um, anything from 600 euros to a 20 grand fine. So uh, they, they've really stamped down on it out there. And, and it's worked. You know, and I, we yeah. were sort of, me and the wife, Sharon, were, were looking at things, what was happening over here. And we're saying, how stupid are we? You know, you give an inch, give people an inch, they'll take a mile. So don't even give them an inch. <laughs> you know, no, um, you know, you, you're going out on a Thursday night, clapping the NHS, which is a great thing, by the way. But not when there was about a thousand people on London Bridge doing it. You know, ambulance, not ambulance men, but police officers stopping as well. I, I just thought, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. You mm. know, it, it's just, yeah. And uh, no wonder there's more deaths here than any other European country. No, no, tell me about it. Yeah. People it's uh, it's, it's just not right. I, th I just wondered if they actually took the same procedure as Spain. You know, what would the sort of uh, death count be then? How, how much less would it be? Mm, you know. And I'm sure it would have been less. Yeah, um, but I hope your uh, wife makes a speedy recovery, by the way. But, um, She's getting plenty of time to recover now. <laughs> <laughs> on, to, uh, on to matters at hand. Um, late last year, I was at the, uh, the comedy club with a, with a mate in town for an audience with yourself and Mark Higgins. Oh, um, yeah, good that. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know, you, you, you know you've got plenty of funny and fond memories uh, as an apprentice. But if someone came to you then as a young lad and told you you'd go on to be the most successful captain this club's ever seen, would you have believed them? No, I don't think so. I don't no. think, you know, that, you know, you've got ambitions in football. Um, well, I don't know if it's any different now, but it's, you know, well, it is different because it, what you, you mentioned the come through the academy. It wasn't an academy then. It, it was a youth setup. Uh, it was an apprenticeship. Um, and that apprenticeship went from you was from when you signed in the July um, to when you were eighteen. So if you were sort of signing as a sixteen-year-old, but your birthday was in September or October, you literally had about fourteen, fifteen months to prove yourself. If that, because obviously you've got the end of the season coming up as well, mm -hmm. so you just had a, over a year to prove yourself. And if you have a look at the birth dates of a lot of people, um, they, the successful people and people who had actually got contracts from a club were before Christmas. So their birthdays were before Christmas and uh, you had to be a little bit physically stronger, obviously, uh, and a little bit more advanced for them Actually, to give you that days. contract. Yeah, yeah. And it was... Uh, it, it was tough, but never in my life, you know, I, I think they must have seen that I had, you know, a leadership quality. Because um, I was captain of quite a few of the teams, you know, the youth teams and uh, B teams, the A teams that you played in. Then obviously I went up to uh, sort of captain the reserves as well. But there was, there was a couple of good young players with me, you know, I mean, you look at the, you know, Mark Ward was a couple of years younger. Um, Steve McMahon, I think, he signed. Ooh. He had to wait for a place to come. Um, he was there the same time as me. Um, but his, his birthday was in August, so he had a good two years apprenticeship, more or less. Mm. Um, 
he was uh, he was there. Paul Lodge, Joe McBride, Pat Hurd, uh, Brian Burrows come in. Uh, Brian Burrows was an amateur for a good year or two. Um, you know, coming in, he wasn't working. He was picking up his doll and then coming into training. So some days he'd be late. Uh, I think it was usually on a Thursday when he was picking the when he was signing on. Um, <laughs> so we had we we had some really quality players. You know, I mean, we the only thing we never had was I would say a striker, and I think we would have won the the, the youth cup if we would have had a striker. Okay. We just didn't have a striker. We were trying things out with players playing up front from the left wing and the right wing. Um, but I remember, you know, there was another lad coming through called Dean Kelly. Um, what happened to him? I think he went over to the States, I think, to play Dean Kelly. But he was a good player. Him yeah. and Wardy in the same time was a, it was a funny time to play. <laughs> you know, characters them two. Yeah. Uh, I remember going over to La Havre, I think it was. And I think we won the tournament over there. And Wardy got the man of the match. And he played up front and he was a, a right winger. Um, and the, 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 I think it was the Italian team were just like amazed at, you know, how sort of quick and fiery he was for a, for a small guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, we because we most of the time in that new team, I played centre half with Paul Lodge. I know Lodge. He's at he's at Ashton now, isn't he? Yeah, so Lodge was a you know he played centre half with me, and I think it was Derek Gould in the year after um, that played centre half. But mainly that first year, um, I think we got to the semi-finals against Millwall and got knocked out. Um, But uh, that was an experience going the den. (laughs) <laughs> As a seventeen-year-old, and I think there was about fourteen or fifteen thousand uh, watching, and they had a good side. They had a really good side. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't think anything about you know captain and uh, or winning things with Everton. You just wanted to progressively, you know, get that contract, and then you're physically really trying to get the next contract, um, and then hoping you're going to have that breakthrough. You know, uh, with the lads, and you, you see some of the lads that I was fighting up against. You know, Dave Jones, uh, Roger Kenyon, Mick Lyons, Billy Wright. Mm. Um, you know, it, it Mark Higgins was there. It was, it was. There was a, a long list of players before me, if you know what I mean. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's it, that was quite daunting at times. But you know, you just get your head down, keep playing, and hopefully you get that chance. Yeah, uh, you certainly did. Now. I thought it'd be interesting to ask you this, like Evertonian to Evertonian almost. Like mm. I've I've read your uh, my memories of Everton book, and I think it was uh, particularly interesting that you go into quite a bit of detail about that side in the sixties. Um, you've got another iconic Everton captain there in Brian Lebone, who I know when yeah. you, um, you did the question and answer with the Chicago Evertonians account that you said that you reckon Labby's the the best ever Everton captain. I'm just wondering if. Was there anything that you took from Labby or any sort of encounters or experiences that helped you sort no. of? No, build? I didn't. I didn't know Labby at all. No. Um, just in passing. Um, there's about a decade between me and Labby, and it's a long time in football. Um, I signed in '76, '77. I think Labby had finished around about '71, '72. Right. Um, you know, through injury, left Everton, or I don't know where he went after that. Mm. Um, and I, I did, I sort of towards the end of Everton career, bumped into Labby more because he did the lounges and things mm. like that. I think it, it was, I can't remember. Or, you know, you go to a dinner or a supporters club thing. So I didn't really know how Labby worked. Um, I knew how Mick Lyons worked mm. and seeing what he had to do um, as a captain. Um, and he was, he, he was a fantastic cap, captain, was Mitt Lyons, the way that he led from the front. Um, if anybody played with the badge, for the badge, uh, for the supporters, that, that fella did it more than anybody. Um, you know, he, he, his heart and soul was in Everton Football Club. Maybe too much. Interesting. Because he couldn't understand why people, um, whatever they did, uh, I always remember him saying to me, you know, that you, you know, you got to think that you, you're playing for your country or running for your country. You know, you're, you're doing a run. And my worst running um, situation would be a 12-minute run. I hated it. Couldn't do it. <laughs> um, I, a 12-minute run, I'd do in 18 minutes or something. You know, it's just, I was just dreadful at it. And everybody knew. And he used to come to me and he said, you know, you've got you to think that, you, you know, you're, you're running for your country. And I'm thinking... Why don't you think about that when you're sprinting? <laughs> you know, 
that that was my forte, sprinting. Yeah. Um, and and I think everybody knew that. But you know, that was my worst part of training. Somebody said to me, top corner. And I knew if they said top corner, that meant a twelve minute run. I used to have nightmares about it. <laughs> but what um, what seemed very distinctive about, you know, that those groups of players, the the sixties and the seventies, and I think most definitely in the eighties, was that they understood uh, the culture of the club and what it meant to play for Everton Football Club, like especially during the eighties, given, you know, the sort of the social political climate. Of, um, yeah, I think I think a lot of it's down to the to British players. Yeah, you know, British players know about British clubs. Um, you know, a lot of home international players playing. Very few foreigners. I can't I can't remember the first foreigner that actually come to Everton when I was there. I think it might be somebody like uh, Robert Wasaki or um, Preki. Yeah, it's either one of them two. I'm not too sure. Unless you want to call the uh, Jason Kitten a foreigner. <laughs> I mean, he was Australian. Yeah. Um, but never really classed him as a foreigner because, you know, we spoke really good English. Mm. Um, Stefan Wren. Um, but th- them players, you know, did they know? I suppose they did because we were winning things. But, you, you know, I don't think they really knew much about other than the club, mm. about the club, if you know what I mean, the history of the club. But, yeah. you know, most British players would know the history of Everton Football Club. And I, I think that's a problem these days. You know, it's... It's Everton Football Club playing in the Premiership sometimes, and that's what entices the the foreigner to actually go to the football club, and you mm. know, not the the football club itself. Yeah, see what it's like these days. But like, and this this is what I wanted to ask you in terms of like a, an Evertonian to Evertonian. Obviously, I was unfortunately didn't get to experience any of this. Like, I've not seen us lift the trophy. I was born in '98. I was told an awful yeah. lot about that team in the '60s as a as an observer. Obviously, the, the different formation, you know, the, with the Holy Trinity in midfield, Harvey Kendall Ball. What were the key differences between that side in the sixties and the side in the eighties? Um, difference. Ooh. Well, I, I would say they played a different formation mm-hmm. than ourselves. I think the formation that they played was more a four-three-three, um, whereas we were playing four-four-two. Yeah. Uh, very hard to beat, very hard to score against. Um, I tell you what's a tough one: their midfield against our midfield, mm. mainly because they played with three in the midfield area. Um, you know, Harvey Kendall Ball. Well, what a class act that is! But you look at Reedy and Brace; they're, they're different types of players. Mm. You know, they were quality, they were quality more, nonetheless, though. Sorry, quality nonetheless. Got quality in different ways. Um, you know, you would say that, um, you know, Alan Ball, which was my hero, was most probably one of the best players that's ever played for Everton. Um, I think it'd be very, very hard to to take anybody from their side into ours and vice versa as well. If, you, mm. if you're Joe Royal, you speak to Joe Royal, there's no better left winger than Johnny Morrissey. <laughs> and I've seen Johnny Morrissey, but he's a completely different player than Kevin Sheedy. Yeah. You know, Kevin Sheedy wouldn't go past players. You know, but he would pass the ball. He'd pass the ball 40, 50, 10 yards to somebody's feet, you know, uh, or just in front of him. He, he was just a... a you know, when, you, when you speak to some of the lads and they ask you who, who was outfield players who was the best, then Kevin Sheedy stands there because he was something different. Yeah. Um, and I've not seen anybody any touch him anywhere in, in football since as a type of player that he was. Um, yeah. He'd be great for an overlapping fullback to have in your side, but we didn't really have an overlapping fullback no. because you didn't need to with Kev Sheedy mm. because he'd be looking for that sort of diagonal ball for the back post or somebody making a run through. Um, uh, you know, Pat used to just sort of hang back a little bit, you know, supporting him just in case he did actually lose the ball. Yeah. So, uh, it, 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 like I say, different players. I, th- I think the only sort of um, resemblance would be the striker in Joe Royal, very similar to Graham Sharp or Andy mm-hmm. Gray. Yeah. As a target man. Um, you know, you, you, you look at uh, Jimmy Usband, who played most of the year uh, on the right, then Trevor Stephen would get in your side. But, you know, if you're looking for like for like, I think you'd pick Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah and then you know you you've got that back four where you, you're just thinking would you get in the side <laughs> mm-hmm. you know that that is a tough one the back four you know tommy Wright. yeah right back gary stevens choose between them two um yeah and i'd seen both players play and tommy was a, a you know was it was a great player then you got labby and you got john hurst john hurst was a you know a class player yeah class a labby a leader you know you got the famous left back yeah who you know would you get him because it was tough I think the keeper was it's a non-starter isn't it um, Gordon yeah. West though he's a well, top keeper there's no yeah. doubt about it he was a top keeper but was he as good as Nev no no Nev he wasn't world class no wasn't the best in the world was he no. that's what Nev was would, yeah would you so, say Nev was the best in the world at the time yeah 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 now I don't know about the rest of the squad because you know I've just named you the the 60s team. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that's the same with the, the 80s team. You can name the 80s team. True. Um, and then we got Kevin Richardson and you've got Alan Harper who, who played in our side, who most probably get in any other side, who was so vital to us. Um, Alan Whittle, that's the only one that I can really think about. Alan Whittle, Sandy Brown. Yeah. Um, like utility players. Yeah. Yeah, so it's. I think the lad Jackson come to us as well in the seventies, didn't he? From Derby, was he? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So it's. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, it'd be a tough one that to pick a, a combined side from them two eras. I know it'd be a hell of a game to watch. You two off against each other, both sides. Yeah, yeah, different type of game though. Yeah, you know, I, I watched the sixty. I've watched the sixty-six Cup final a couple of times, and uh, no offsides. Yeah, it was played between eighteen-yard box and eighteen-yard box. They, I tell you what, they must have been fit then days. The midfield to to mm. actually play in like the Gabby and and uh, Colin when yeah. they played together. Ah, they, you know they must have covered some ground. I know. Tell me about it. And obviously, you've gr- you've grown up watching it as part of that holy trinity, uh, the Gaffer himself, Howard Kendall. Did you get the inkling what from watching him as a fan? That he'd go on to be a, a great manager. No, no, no. Didn't 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 think that at all. Um, I, I think with Howard, you know, you you don't realise how good somebody is until you train with them mm. um, or play with them. Um, Howard was a fantastic footballer. Um, never give the ball away. Couldn't get the ball back, by the way. But he wouldn't give the ball away, even as a manager. Um, well, yeah, well, obviously your legs go when you're a little bit older, so you don't want to do that part of the game. Um, Colin Harvey, what a player. What a touch. And, you know, you go back whichever era, you know, footballers at the top level have got a touch and an awareness and a desire. Uh, Colin had every single one of them. I think Howard was a little bit more laid back and chilled. Mm. Colin was intense. He was on your back all the time. Nothing less than 100% in, in every training session. And whatever yeah. you did in training, he wanted the best. And, you, think, uh, you think that's why he complimented them so well as an assistant coach? Because you hear a lot yeah. of players say Colin yeah, was just unprecedented and sort of like the benchmark that he set. It, it was, it was, it was on, on your back all the time. Um, and I'd had that as a 16-year-old right the way through. Uh, because he was my youth team coach, my reserve team coach, and I tried my best to get away from him, but he kept following me <laughs> um, <laughs> through the through the ranks. And I'm glad I'm, I'm so made up because he was uh, he was a top coach. Um, and I I think with Colin, I think he needed somebody to manage him as well, and that's what Howard did, as in managing the coaching sessions. Um, but the two of them used to play along with Mick Heaton in a lot of the. Um, coaching sessions. He's still there. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was. Um, it, it was a joy to play with two legends. Yeah, of course. Who, in my eyes, were like really, you know, my my era of watching Everton Football Club as a supporter. Um, you know that, that it was great to train with them, and, and one of the reasons, you know. One of the reasons I signed for Everton was because obviously Everton Football Club. I was going to go sort of be coached by Colin Harvey you know one of the greats so that, that's 
you know, I had it, I was so close to signing for Chester City Football Club as, a, as an apprentice because they had mm. such a great record of bringing kids through. Uh, and I thought I'd get a chance in the first team. But, you know, you get the chance to train at the training ground and, um, and not on a school pitch or something is, uh, is a little bit special. <laughs> of course. Um, something that I, I was curious about is the, um, the relationship between yourself and Howard. Um, how, how old were you when you were made captain? 23? <sighs> I think I could have been about 22 when he first 22. made me captain. Like that, that's young yeah. to, be, to be made yeah. captain of a... Of I, think, I, think, I think I was 22 and then I think regular as a 23-year-old, if you know. Yeah. Um, I got it in the pre-season. Um, and again against uh, Dundee and I think I can't remember I can't remember if it was that season or the season before Mark Higgins was uh, left out on a pre-season game which he did now and again it wasn't because he wasn't playing badly he just left him out and put me and then he's given me the, the task of taking the team out and you know I look round in the changing room and, you know the Reedy's there so lad Mickey Walsh Alan Ainscoe David Johnson, who'd won European Cups and everything. Mm. And he's given it to me. And I'm just like you know, a little bit sort of stunned that, oh, why me? Yeah. Um, and then I think, yeah, that, that November, obviously, I think it was just after November, I think Iggy got injured and that was it. He was out, finished. Um, we didn't think that at the time, but I was given the armband. Um, you know, and it, it worked out a good decision, I think. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, you can't get any better, can you, than captain your club no, that you supported? So. Most definitely. Um, you know, such slight responsibility placed on your shoulders with Howard as the manager. I was watching the, uh, well, I've watched this several times, to be honest, the, the film Howard's Way. It's, uh, yeah. it's, mad, it's mad to think he put you on the transfer list, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, things weren't going right. I mean, I was, um, I was part of the transfer list mainly because the season before, um, he, he just wasn't picking me and every time I got in I was playing well um, and I just don't know if he had this thing in his head that you know I wasn't a left back mm. right so he was looking for better quality at left back which I understand um, but as a centre back every time I went in I played well but every time I went into the side I played with Mark Higgins and Mark Higgins was a left footer and for some reason, Howard didn't fancy two left-footers. So him and Billy Wright used to play. Um, and I just went in one day. I think it was after a Newport game. We played Newport away in the Cup. And I played really well with Mark Higgins. And uh, he, in fact, he might have played with Billy Wright on that game. Um, and he dropped whichever one, Mark Higgins or Billy Wright, but then the following week, he uh, he dropped me, and I've gone in to see him, and I said, I just think, I just feel as if I've been left out or brought in to give somebody a kick up the backside. And he just sort of nodded, and I went, Oh, cheers! I need to go on the list. So that was it. And as far as I know, I'm still on it. <laughs> Do you not think that was some sort of like? psychological thing on his end to try and motivate you in a way because like it obviously like, I don't think he's trying to motivate me um, think so. no no I mean, he couldn't do anything else because I was doing I, I thought I was playing well mm. um, I, and I was a nasty man if I wasn't playing mm. I'd be going around I'd be kicking people and he'd have to st he'd stop training once just to uh, you know to, to sort, of, sort of kick in that like, I mean uh, I smashed into lines here, smashed into bales. and I was just trying to prove, them, you know, I'm here. Mm. Come on. Um, and it, it, it used to, and it, it gets to you, you know, when you, when you feel as if you've done well and you're being left out, you say, what more can you do? Mm. Um, and obviously I didn't think I was destined to, to actually play, uh, you know, a big role in Everton football club. So um, I, I think it was the, that, the, that, the following year when things started to change, obviously, um, with myself getting a chance. Uh, I think that was a way to Ipswich. I got a chance and um, he left Billy right out. Didn't even take him. And uh, I think we won away from home. Uh, and me and me and Iggy then was, um, you know, the partnership. Yeah. 
Uh, and I still, I still believe today that if Higgy, you know, was wasn't didn't get injured, we wouldn't have bought Dave Watson. There's yeah. no way we would have bought Dave Watson because Higgy was a, a good player, a very good player, and yeah. that it would have been him walking up steps and picking up trophies, and not me. Mm, true. Um, I was wondering, obviously, because you you'd been there through sort of the the seventies, early eighties, when what was it, the Coventry game where things weren't going too well and there was only like a 7,000 gate or whatever. I mean, Howard, mm. what, Howard was in charge for that and to think he, he turned it round in such a short space of time. When did you start getting the feeling like he, he's building? I, I, think, um, I think after the game, um, I think we played Notts Forest on the Saturday after the game. We didn't win it. I think we drew. But it was Andy Gray's first game. We'd signed him on the Thursday. And I think he changed the mentality of players and the way that you know we used to look at games and look at opponents and dominate them mm. um, because if you have a look at that side it was pretty you know at the back there wasn't th- much things changing up front was Sharpie um, and things weren't changing it was the midfield that changed um, and I still think today you've got to have that little bit of luck as a manager and I think he struck lucky because he tried Reedy before in games and it wasn't working. Um, it's all about partnerships. And I just, in the end, he found a partner. Um, I think it, I think he dropped Adrian Heath into midfield to play alongside him yeah. later on. But, you know, Kev Rich would play in. Um, you know, I remember Kev Rich was like a year, two years younger than me. And I was 22, 23 in the side. Um, that Coventry game, I, w- I would have only been 22. Mm. Um, I think Iggy would have been one of the oldest, as in being about 26, 27. Um, no, maybe maybe less than that, about 20, 25. Still a very um, young side, though. Yeah, it was very young. Um, so Andy Gray comes in and Reedy and bumps the age right up. <laughs> um, so I, I just think Howard, you know, Putting Reedy on, Reedy changing things um, in that Coventry game. Um, and the fire. You know, you're seeing what Reedy's bringing to the team, you're seeing what Andy Gray, very similar characters as in, you know, the you know, winners. Mm. And I think that just, you know, give us that confidence and we become, you know, Andy Gray making Sharpie a better player. So sometimes, you know, the better players make players better, mm. not your coaches sometimes. Um, so if you're playing with training with better players, you become a better player. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, the the one thing that we were doing was picking up things very very quickly at the back through Howard and the coaching sessions, and and I think that was down to you know the lads being switched on at the back because the way that we played was completely different from any other manager. And uh, the way that we squoze up, went to squeeze, went to drop, um, was just you know, something that we worked on and clicked. You know, that, that was, you know, and players that come in in the back, like Dave Watson, um, Paul Power, when he come in, mm. they took time to actually adjust to the way we played at the back. And it's amazing to think how young we were and how it clicked for us. Mm. And they come in at an older age and they struggled. They struggled when they first come in. Um, but they took to it and they improved as well. How did you find playing alongside... Derek Monfield, obviously that, that was that's the partnership at the back that you know. Yeah, uh, well, Derek was one of these that you know was a winner in the air. You know the amount of times he won the balls in the air when you didn't think he was going to win it. Um, I had a good relationship with Derek because I think I knew his weaknesses um, and worked well with him. Um, he, he was he was a strong character in in the fact that he was a, he was a year or two younger than me. So if I was twenty two, twenty three, he'd only be about twenty one. Mm. Um, it, it it worked well. You know, we seemed to to read each other's game, which was so so important. Um, and he was he was a lot quieter. He was a lot quieter, and I had to, you know, sometimes give him a rollicking. Um, that's one thing I never had to do with Dave Watson. No, believe it or not, no, didn't have to rollick Dave Dave Watson. Um, I always I always wanted a little bit more out of Derek. I think. I don't know why. I just wanted a little bit more out of him, and uh, you know, when you could see him maybe slipping, that you'd give him. And he, I, 
the, the greatest thing about it was he responded. Yeah. You know. Um, I goals he scored for the centre-half. I think it was about the timing. And, no, and once again, it clicked him and Sheeds clicked. The amount of times that maybe Sheeds crossed it in. That it, you know, where, where the ball was going to go. Um, the timing of the run from Derek because that's what was so important about Derek his timing of his runs and to get 14 I think goals in one season uh, was just just ridiculous for his position no no um, yeah but you know Derek, Derek, I think Derek knew his limitations and I think like everybody else we never really tried to do something that we couldn't um, and mine was scoring goals <laughs> So I didn't I know, try. But uh, I, I've got to be honest, I'd, uh, I'd take a 30 yard at Anfield over yeah. 14 goals in a season. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd like to have scored a little bit more, but I wasn't allowed up. No. I was uh, I was always stuck at the back, yeah. yeah. I think well, it was mainly because of my pace. But, uh, yeah, very, very good. Wanted that, yeah, that, I, they wanted that security of maybe me sort of like, you know, sweeping up yeah. behind. I'd, sp- I'd, um, I'd spoke to Derek late last year. He said um, to sort of the catalyst to develop that sort of winning behaviour. Obviously, like mm. the likes of um, the likes of Reed and, and Greg coming in, but he said losing the Milk Cup final. I think it was at eighty four. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that, well, before the FA Cup final. Yeah, that sort before. of gave us the sort of belief to go on to. Yeah, I think once you've had a taste of being at Wembley. You want to go back and back and back. Um, obviously, you only got there in finals them days, not for playoffs or semi-finals. So, uh, yeah, I think that was like uh, that kick that we wanted. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the good thing was we never lost in that game at Wembley. It was at Main Road. But mm. I would say definitely that um, we've had a feel for it. And... All of a sudden, you've had that experience of playing at Wembley. I think in that team that uh, that played, I think I might have been the only one that had played at Wembley in the cup final. And I played there for obviously for Wales, and I played there for I played there for Wales schoolboys as a fifteen-year-old. Um, so I think I played two or three games there at Wem- yeah. Wembley before we'd actually got. And I think I was the only one in the side. Um, because when you think, I don't think there was many internationals um, in our side then, in the FA Cup winning side. Mm-hmm. Um, only myself, Neville, Sheeds. Right-hand side, yeah, Stevens, Stephen. I don't think they would actually started playing. For England, not don't at that think, time. I don't, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it was more towards the 86 World Cup. Okay. They started getting in the side. Um you know, I mean, otherwise, you know, Derek would have been playing, wouldn't he? Mm, true. Um, I think Derek sort of missed out through injury, I think, if I can recall, uh, of not really getting that chance to go and play for England. I'm not quite sure. No. But no, Reedy wasn't part of the England squad until, you know, I think going on then, maybe after we played in the cup final, you know, people were recognising the likes of Reed and... Um, uh, the, the rest of the lads and Gary Stevens. Trevor Stevens was only a 19 year old, I think. Mm. 20 year old when we played in the uh, in the in the cup final. And if you think about what who was left out in that side, you know Terry Curran, you know who'd been a right, he'd been on the right, uh, and Alan Irving. I mean, they were battling it out, Alan and um, Terry Curran. And all of a sudden, I would give Trevor his chance. I don't think Trevor played in the semi-final. Sharpie never played in the semi-final. Teddy couldn't played in the semi-final, I'm sure. Mm. So, you know, the things were changing. Um, and, you know, Howard was changing it slowly and it was working. Yeah, and then obviously that 84-85 season. I mean, I know we lost the opening two games, but I mm. think our longest unbeaten run was something like 28 games. That was weird. Now, Tottenham, wasn't it, the first game? Yeah. Yeah, Tottenham four four one, something like that. That was a good one. Yeah, they had, they had four chances. Mm. I've never known a game where you've like played that well and lost that heavily. Um, and it just seemed that I think Clive Allen's movement was fantastic. Um, I think he scored one or two. Um, yeah, that was it. That was a wake up call. Believe it or not, you're thinking, oh, we've been a one season wonder. 
Um, I think we went to West Brom after that. Did we draw at West Brom or did we lose? I can't remember. I'm not too sure. I'd have to look back. Yeah. Yeah. But they, uh, you know, not, and then we're going to Chelsea and you're thinking, oh, on a Friday night, I think it was one of the first games to be filmed, um, shown on a Friday night at Stamford Bridge. And Kevrico scored. I don't know what, where, why Sheed wasn't playing. Um, but I think uh, Kev Richardson played uh, left side. And he he got the he got the winner, yeah. um, but once again it was one of them performances where, you know, we don't concede, we don't lose, mm. you know, and that that was a mentality. I mean, that's a, a stupid saying. If you, you don't lose if you don't concede. Do you? No, but know. that was bred into you to, you know, uh, protect your goal. You know, be 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 as proud as the keeper to have a clean sheet. Yeah, I've I've always been told though by like family. Who, because some of you know my family's best days of their lives were following us in the eighties there, mm. and they, they've always said with that side that even if we conceded, we could always just go down the other the other end and score two. I wouldn't have said that early on, no, <laughs> in the career. But I think you know once you've won something, yeah, there, there was like a never say die attitude within the boys, and we'd, you'd find a way. You know, you I've heard you know pundits say that now. You find a way to to win, and that's what we did. We and we could score from you know. Howard always used to put sort of um, a goal tally on certain players, you know, especially the midfield. Mm. Uh, and I wanted a return from them. Um, I don't think he really expected me. He never mentioned anything to me about scoring goals. No, <laughs> you just you just keep out of the way. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm sure he looked at Derek and gave Derek a a goal of between five and ten, and he exceeded that. Gary Stevens, he expected round about half a dozen goals. Um, I don't think he did on the other side with Pat or Bales when Bales played. That mm. he knew where goal scorers, you know, were in the side mm-hmm. midfield. Reedy and Brace, he'd want anything round about sixteen goals between them. Yeah, um, and Sheeds, he just left it up to the magician to choose when he wanted to score and when he didn't. Yeah, he, he was just yeah, he was a lifesaver at times. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, out of out of the the sort of the, t- the the winners' medals that you've got, if you could take your pick out of the one that means most here and the one that you're most proud of, what would it be? FA Cup first one. First one. Quite a first few one. players have said that. Yeah, first you, one. Even over, uh, over the European Cup winners' cup. Yeah. 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 It was. It's the first one. Look, I, I think you know young. Younger generation would sort of open mouth and looked at you and think you are like type of thing. But we brought up with the FA Cup, you know, from eight o'clock in the morning to maybe twelve o'clock at night. Um, you know, there was no bigger star than Freddie Star at ours at the <laughs> time. Um, you know, he he was massive. He he was getting between fifteen and twenty thousand pound a gig in them days, and he was at our FA Cup final. Travelling, uh, you know, sitting down having a pre-match meal. The only thing that Howard didn't let him do was actually get on the team bus. But he was at the ground. Yeah. With uh, I think the other one was Michael Barrymore. Um, and you know, you're sitting there, and even taking little things from Freddie, and the banter he was having with Michael Barrymore. And I always remember that there was a lot more supporters at our hotel uh, in Beaconsfield. We stayed. And obviously, the Watford players were staying at somewhere else and Michael Barrymore was there Michael Barrymore turned to uh, Freddie and they were doing a link like we are now mm. on TV I don't think they could see each other and he turned around to Freddie and said why is there why is there more people at Everton uh, hotel than there is at the hotel where at my hotel and he says I'm a bigger star than you <laughs> <laughs> and I thought ah, that's that's class that and he was by the way he was. Yeah. Out of the dressing room, sort of atmospheres, if you could take your pick of the bunch, what would be your favourite sort of Everton dressing room that you've been in in your career? Because like, uh, obviously everyone says you know, oh, no. the Bayern Munich game. Um, was... Oh, you mean a game that it was in? Oh, look, look, the bigger the game, the, the, there's not a lot said. No? Yeah, you're more or less concentrated. You know, the people that usually have a little bit of a, but I was quite quiet, must admit, before the game. 
Um, I wasn't one of them that was getting around the lads and saying, come on, get into these. You know, Andy Gray would be quite vocal, greedy, mm-hmm. be vocal. Um, Nev was just Nev. Um, and if he did say anything, you wouldn't understand the word he said anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. You know, you get more experienced as you get older. The second league title team was uh, good banter, but very, very similar to the first. You know, we all got on. That was the best thing. You know, we all got on. So things could be said that you wouldn't say to other people. True. And still is now. Hmm. You say things to them lads that you would never, ever dream of saying to anybody else or any other footballer. Yeah. Uh, it, could be, it could be conceived as very ruthless. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like that back in them days. Who was the vice captain in that team? Wouldn't have a clue. No, I never missed. I never missed a game. Because <laughs> I was gonna say, like, just it seemed like yeah. as, obviously as the confidence grew, it just everyone seemed like leaders, but didn't seem like that's any, the ideally, you know, good teams have more than one captain. Didn't seem like any clashes of egos though either. No, no, no. don't think there was. No, like I say, we you weren't allowed to. You know, if you stepped over that line, you were told. Um, Howard had a fining system in that the, the players actually collected that fine for him sometimes. You know, they, they, if, you, if you were 10 seconds late getting on the bus, the lads would rat on you. <laughs> um, and it was mainly because we were getting the money back in our pockets by going, you know, on a, on a tour or whatever. So it was, uh, it was well managed. Where That's the art of being a, a really good manager is getting the players to manage certain things. And... Uh, that's what Howard did. Yeah, he seemed very complimentary of you. Redden in the forward, he said you made his life a hell of a lot easier uh, as captain. And I mean, oh. as such a for a successful side, I think a relationship between a captain and its manager is like almost up there as yeah. the most crucial. Well, it's, it's a bit easier when you're winning things. True. I think it's harder when you're not. Um, and I think Howard would vouch for that. It's harder, you know, for a captain as well. Um, because more often than not, if things aren't going right, you've got a few bad apples. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, you know, the one thing you've got to try and do is get rid of them apples. Otherwise, a lot more go bad. Mm. Um, so he's, uh, he, he was, like you said, when you're successful, it's a lot easier. A lot easier. True. Um, but obviously, you know, on this day in 85, it's only right to ask QPR at home, if we win, will he champions? Like, what are your memories of that day? Um, not a great deal, I must admit. Um, you know, you have to get reminded who scored. Yeah. Um, uh, then I, I knew I always knew Sharpie scored, but I didn't realise the first goal was yeah, Derek, wasn't it? Manfield, yeah. Yeah. Um, and with his feet. And great I, finish, I, by well, the way. Came off the keeper and in. Uh, but I, I spoke to somebody today, and they actually said there's not much footage of that game. Um, and what it is, you can't really see the players because after the whistle, they just got bombarded by press mm. on the pitch. Um, very similar to the um, Rapid Vienna game. And the supporters couldn't really see us. You know, maybe yeah. more at the Rapid Vienna game in Rotterdam. But um, yeah, there was a lot of, you know, we were, I think we were trying to tell them to get away. But, you know, they're just following us around the pitch or whatever. So, uh, and look, they, we didn't get the trophy that day. You know, it wasn't there for some reason, or mm. it wasn't there. Why? I do not know. Um, but I remember going after the game. I think I went home and uh, I cut the grass. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I honestly don't know why because I could have waited till. Well, I think it it grown a bit and it was one of the better days. <laughs> so need needed cutting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, no, I think we got it then against Luton at home. Um. Do you know when we got it? Was it a bank holiday? I'm not sure, you know. Or a midweek game? I'm not sure. For some reason, I just got, I've, got, I've got this thing in my head that it was like a midweek, not a Saturday. I'll look that up. I'll find that out for you. Yeah. And I'm, then um, I'm not sure. we went, um, we played Luton on, and got, yeah, I think it must have been on the Saturday then, Luton at home. But we got presented with the trophy on the pitch before the game. Red rag to a bull to Luton players. You know, they got Mickey Hartford, they got the, the lad Foster, and they had some nasty 
buggers in midfield that all they wanted to do was, you know, spoil our day. I think Ricky Hill actually got injured that day. Yeah. Um, Reedy caused him a right view. But say that that was the beauty of our side. You want to mix it, we'll mix it with you. Mm. Um, yeah, that's one of our fortes, I think. But, uh, you know, you've got to have that sort of ruthless streak. Brothers in arms. Like you yeah, yeah. Watch, yeah that Bayern, watch that Bayern Munich game back and you'll see what we mean. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you're lining up sometimes. Mm. You know, players are lining up. You're lining them up if one doesn't get you the next one will and you miss him the next one does mm. um, yeah it was it was a great time to play with some great players that's that's all I can say really yeah definitely and obviously the the following season um, we almost, we had a, a double sort of pulled out from underneath us it seemed like you know we were set to do a double yeah, and fell yeah short. all of a sudden yeah it fell short you know you go to Oxford and you expect to win at Oxford and I think Gary Lineker had more chances in that game than he's had maybe in the Ten before it scored forty goals that year, I think, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I just couldn't find the back of the net, and I think there's a story about his boots, isn't it? But he didn't have his boots for that game, and he borrowed a pair of boots. Unlucky. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were two. We were two games away from winning the double, Oxford away, and obviously Liverpool at Wembley in the FA Cup. We were mm. two games away, so it was. Uh, very disappointing, but most probably the kick that we needed it for Honestly, the following year to go it, and win it. Was it motivational to, to go on and obviously win uh, that title in 87? Yeah, because we, I think we knew that Liverpool weren't as good as what they used to be. Um, and we were getting better. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the players that were leaving, the likes of Sunus. They replaced Sunas with two players in Mulby and McMahon. Um, and, you know, Suey was a, a motivator as well. Um, so th- that was a big plus for us. When you, yeah. you read that somebody like Sunas is going. Um, I don't know if Rush went then. I don't know if Ian went. But he went somewhere around about 86, 87, didn't he, to mm. Juve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, they're bringing in the likes of Aldo. Um, but you know they kept going. They had the winning men- mentality, and we always knew that. You know, looking at other sides, it's between us and them. Mm. I think Man United were trying, um, but we, we always we always seem to find a way of beating Man United yeah, we're quite comfortably as well. Trans- we just trounced them five 0 at home, you know, Sharpie was like he, he, they couldn't control Sharpie, McGrath, and. Um, uh, Moran they just couldn't and if the lad Hogg played um, they, they just couldn't control Sharpie he was like uh, you know it's just a giant against unwinning headers mm. bringing things into play um, yeah and you think about that 5-0 game if you think of the team you know I think they had the, the big um, oh, what's his name the big centre half Scottish lad oh his daughter's on Sky now what is it, BT? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, Mark, he was playing for them at that time, were not he? No, I don't think Mark played oh. in that game. Like, well, yeah, he would have. You know, just getting in. Yeah, it would have been just sort of round about the Brian McClare. That's all. You know, Gordon Strachan, Olsen. You know, uh, I think Whiteside. Um, yeah, you know, Robson. That's a great side. Great side, but for some reason or other, we were their bogey team. Yeah, you know, and you can't have a side that's in the, the challenging being your bogey side. Mm. Um, I think one year, I think there was something like so many points ahead um, after about ten games, and they were being touted as like you know the the best team. You know, they're going to win the league, and you know we looked at it. We're only a quarter of a way into the season. Mm. Seasons got another thirty games or something to go, so you know all of a sudden we've caught them just like that. Out of nowhere, um, yeah, it was it was like say going into games knowing you're going to win is just an unbelievable feeling. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned there like Sharpie used to give them a ton of time out of the centre forwards that you worked with in training during your time at the club. Who did you least look forward to coming up against in training? 
well, we never really did, you know, 11 v 11 with the, with Sharpie playing or Andy Gray playing mm. against you. Um, we never did that. You know, we'd be playing against the reserves or something. Okay. Um, so you, you would never really be playing. So it was really odd um, when I played for Wales against Scotland. I think it was the one when Jock Steen died and Andy and Sharpie were playing. Um, Dave Speedy played up front. He got picked to play with Sharpie. Uh, I never had a problem with Dave. I always thought I played really well against Dave Speedy. Um, but to play against your mate, never played against him. Mm. Found it really weird. <laughs> um, so I remember saying to Sharpie before the game, so I'm going to play on the other centre-half, Sharpie. I don't want to talk to <laughs> <laughs> um, But no, that was weird. That was weird playing against him. Okay, interesting. But like, you know, Heath, Sharp, Greg, Lineker, some fantastic... Well, he, 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 he was different type than what you the lads you've just mentioned mm. he, he was like a, he was like a, like a foreign player whereas you know he used to move his movement was brilliant mm. his touch his awareness was completely different to them lads you've just mentioned um, and he, he was more of a provider than a goal scorer but you know that time before he got injured he was on a hell of a run yeah. scoring goals yeah because mm. he, he could have been a Top top player, yeah. Should have got his call up for England, really. Yeah, but um, obviously, around this time of year, I'm, I'm sure you, you, you do get a lot of sort of on this day reminders. And not long past that, it was um, the 87 well, winner, Carol Rhodes. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't know them things if I wasn't on Twitter, <laughs> and I've only <laughs> just joined it in the last sort of three or four months. So, um, oh, I was gonna say, there's um, I think. We've won it at Carroll Road and I think we played we got Luton at home in in the next game and there's a fantastic picture. I don't know if you can make it out there. Yeah, the, yeah. The only yeah. face that's visible there, apart from yourself, is my dad. Oh, is it? Well yeah. th- that that there, did he did he nick me boots? I don't know, probably. Because he took me boots off me. Did he? Right. Yeah, so the supporters took me boots off me. And believe it or not, um when when we got back, we put it out obviously on radio and and the uh, the Echo, I think it was, or the Daily Post. I got them back. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. But, well, we never used to have that many boots. You know, you, you'd get mm. maybe, you get a boots to training, and you get two boots to, uh, sorry, two boots to training, um, and one boots to play. So you got three pairs of boots, um, and then obviously you have to, now and again, have a new pair for training. Um, you know, so they, they were rubbers and then studs as mm. well. But you, your rubbers had to be used for the first team games if you wore them, but nobody was allowed to wear them. Uh, the only time we, I wore rubber boots was actually training. Every day in training, I wore rubbers. And I wore them in pre-season games. And the reason uh-huh. being is that they were softer. Yeah. And you never got listers. Mm, so they um, easier. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I got them. They, they, they were returned because, like you say, you didn't get that many pairs that year. And it was a bit, you know, towards the end of the season, you don't really want to give you a new pair then because mm. you're due to get another new pair at the start of the season. But yeah, our, our times have changed considering the amount of boots the, the players get these yeah. days. And, and um, they take a couple of weeks to break in. Mm, true. Yeah. Not to, not to linger on it too long because even as a, as a supporter that wasn't even born, then it does boil my mm. blood a little bit. But the Heisel ban, had it not been for that, that five-year absence from Europe, do you feel like we would have went on to sort of assert some sort of dominance in Europe. Well, you know, first and foremost, you don't look for the, another right side for the team because mm. we lost the right hand side uh, in Stevens and Steam. Um, then we lost the manager. So them three things, you don't lose if yeah. playing in uh, the, you know the, the European Cup as it was in them days. Um, and I've said this. It was a harder thing to win, you know, in them days than what it is now. Mm. You know, it, you couldn't afford to lose, uh, you know, a leg away from home um, and then have somebody like Star Bucharest coming to you to go to some park and, you know, holding on to a, you know, a 1 0, 2 0 lead. You, you weren't coming back from that. Mm. No, they, 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 I think teams were a lot tougher as well because obviously 
it was uh, it, it was tough to play against them uh, sort of Eastern Europeans. Mm. Uh, but it would have been nice to actually test yourself. But I don't think we recovered from that. Nah. It's taken us a long time. If we have recovered, nah. we lost really a bit of the, the the heart and the soul from the from the club. Yeah, I've, I've um, got to be honest. I I don't think we've recovered all that all too well from it. To be honest, because I feel no, like if, no. if we if we assert ourselves in that period of time, I think it stands us in better stead when the Premier League starts up, and you know that, mm. that gives you a yeah. lot more revenue yeah. to. I think I think the disappointing thing about it was that we were never even given the opportunity to be invited back into it after it had. Um, you know, we we got allowed back in. Yeah. So uh, it, it it was sad, but it's uh, it's one of them things that you know you you got to take it on the chin and move on. Yeah. Uh, but it was certainly the demise, I think, of the the team and and the football club. Mm, I mean, we've had a lot of chops and changes and, and turnovers in, uh, since then. But just to sort of update it to the modern day, I think we finally hit the nail on the head now with the with the manager that we've got in and Carlo Ancelotti. What do, what do you make of us at the moment? Well, I can't believe we've been spending all this money, but we've not spent one on the manager. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's it's nice to see that it's, it's the other way around. We've got somebody that everybody looks up to and admires and respects. Um, and I think the biggest thing that he's done is respected the football club. And he's bought into the football club. He's bought into the fans. He's bought into the history. Um, and I think managers in the past have not done that. Mm. You know, it's been more about them than it has been about the football club. Um, it is about this guy. Don't get me wrong; he gives you the feeling he cares about it as well. And I think he's been bitten. I think he's been bitten by the football club as well. Mm. He's uh, he seems to be enjoying what he's seeing and what he's hearing. Um, he's he's become an icon already. I think the supporters. Yeah, and that's mainly because he's saying the right things. It's what the supporters want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been admired, you know, that all of a sudden we seem to have a structure, we seem to have a shape about the side. But I've seen us. I, I couldn't tell you what system we're playing. There's some some teams that have been picked and what they've been asked to do. Um, you know, it, it's been sad in one way that we spent all that money, and we've then decided it hasn't been working. We've got to go and spend some money on a manager to bring the manager in to coach these players. And what a difference he's... Even Duncan, what a difference he made to the same players. The same players. Um, If he should have been given the job, I don't think so. I think that only lasts for so long. Mm. I think there's only so long that you can rant and rave at players these days. And I think think that's what Duncan's about. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he'll be learning the other side under him, under uh, Carlo. So uh, he's only going to improve under this manager. Um, but he gave us something that we, we've been missing for a few years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Duncan. still um, for the coach. So Sorry? Duncan's still very young in, in his coaching career, I'd say. Yeah, well, you say that, but then you look at somebody like Frank Lampard and people like that, given the opportunity and what they've done. Mm. And, you know, and if you think about it, Frank's been doing it with a young squad. Yeah. bringing youngsters through. And I think that's what Duncan did and give the likes of Calvert-Lewin that real confidence to go out there and express themselves. And he's got a reward from that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's all about managing the players. But the way that Duncan did it, could you do that week in, week out? Um, I, I don't know with these players these days because once you lose a player, that's it. You've lost him for good. Um, he won his next million pound move, mm-hmm. you know. Line his pockets, but uh, you know the, the days are gone where you can get right into a player. There's some players you can still do it to, but you've got to pick and choose which ones. Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly need to have that sort of old school mentality about you to be able to sort of receive criticism in a sense. And I was just wondering, what do you make of the current captain situation at the club? Because obviously, you know, we had Phil Neville and well, Elka for so long, and then we sort of went into the phase of, of Colin <sighs> Baines, who. I've got to be honest, once their careers come to an end, I think they'll be considered as two of the better players not to have ever won anything for Everton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the, the, look, it was quite remarkable under Silva that he had different captains. Mm. You know, he, he gave it to Tom Davis, didn't he? Um, he wasn't even a regular for the team. So what's that about? You know, I think he cheapened it. Not, not Tom, but the manager. No, yeah, yeah. 
um, you know, it's, it's got it's got to be the ultimate honour, you know, for the player to actually, you know, get the you know Everton FC armband. Yeah, come on, you know, there, there shouldn't be four or five captains through the year. Does that does that mean you're not quite sure? Doesn't yeah. give you the right vibes. Um, look, I think Coleman's been a fantastic. But he's coming to the situation similar to me that he's not first team regular. Um, and you know, all of a sudden you're the club captain, but you're not captain on the team. It's 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 a tricky situation. Um but who who will be the next captain? That's a that's a big one. Yeah. Um, I've got, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a feeling that Holgate might Holgate, be. Holgate, yeah. Yeah. But you know, your performances have got to be consistent. And mm-hmm. I must admit last year I, I was I've been really impressed with Mason. I think his um, contribution to the side has been top class. And he's looking the best out of the players that we've actually brought in for 20 mm-hmm. odd million. <laughs> you know, and he's, we, I don't know how much we brought him in for. But uh, it's come through the, uh, the academy, uh, didn't he? Academy, yeah. So he's not paid too much on him. That's Calvert Loom we brought in, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's really weird. Really weird that you know. Can you pluck somebody? And I think somebody like a Mason or a Coleman has been at the club for a number of years. Um, you know, Coleman we brought in um, from Cork, but I think that uh, Mason, who's come through the ranks, will know what it's about. You yeah. know, and I think you could see him maybe. But then again, players react differently. Some people don't enjoy being not. I wouldn't say they don't enjoy being captain I would say that performances drop yeah. so you've got to be careful that when you do give somebody the captain's arm and these performances aren't copying they've got to be exactly the same as what they've been given that's why you've got it um, yeah, so it, it, it's going to be you know you can't really see any of the midfield no yeah mate. yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah it's a tricky one it all depends who comes in as well Course, definitely. And I mean, I don't. I think Mason was uh, he similar follows a similar path to to John Stones, and that he come from Barnsley, and then yeah. got to come through the under twenty threes. And as you say, he yeah. just he gives that air of a of an, of an old school defender and seems just his attitude yeah. on the pitch. Yeah. I think the thing as well with centre halves is you don't really get too many young centre halves playing. You know that you don't really get you know nineteen twenty year old centre halves playing week in week out. Um, and there's a reason behind that. Obviously, you've not grown into that man mm. that you're going to be. Um, the responsibility, you know, there is a couple that have been there, and but you've seen why they've played at the age of 20, 19, 20 as a centre half. Um, it's he's done it. I think he's, you know, my really player of the year uh, this year. The way he's come on, he's come on in leaps and bounds. Definitely, say between him and Calvert Lewin for me, definitely. And it might be, you know, looking at him, he's played in midfield and he's looked look, look like the best midfield player we've had as well. I know. So I know. there's opportunities there that if he does be bringing people in, which I'm sure they will be, they've got to be looking. I mean, I know they've got to get rid of players with the wage bill that they've got mm-hmm. for the fair play rules. So it's, 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 I think it's going to be interesting. And what an interesting period this is, and the COVID 19 period is that. You know, read the other day that wages could drop. Mm. I think that might be a better thing. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing yeah. a sort of decreasing value in in players on the transfer market, and so I think I think there might be a drop in in wage. Um, yeah, you know, hopefully there is, and there's more of an emphasis on, um, you know, uh, a win bonus. Yeah, well, I think so, which yeah, which is I think it'd be better, better for clubs, it'd be better for supporters. <laughs> Yeah, um, tell me about yeah. Yeah. Interest, interesting yeah. future ahead. And just to round it up now, um, Kev, it's been a, an absolute honour to speak to you. If I know you said you've got fond memories of that uh, FA Cup win against Watford, but if you were to pick sort of one moment in your Everton career, what would it be? Oh, God, that's a, that's a toughie, that. You know, when you've done so much, which is a nice thing. Mm. There's so many good things. Um, I think, I think going into training every day at the club, 
Uh, it's one thing that, you know, that somebody said to me, Andy King said to me years and years ago, that once you finish, the one thing you'll miss is going into that training ground every day. The facilities that you've got and the camaraderie, and he's dead right. You do. And I, I don't mean that through um, the players. I mean it through the dinner ladies, the ground staff, you know, like the groundsman, Dougie Rose, and that, um, to Dave Ash, the cleaner, the janitor, Hong Kong Thuey. Um, then them people you miss, you know, because you'd have as much banter with them as you would be with the players. Um, and I still keep in touch with the ground, the, the what's her name, uh, Dave Ash. Because yeah. he actually went to Everton as a janitor the year after I'd signed as an apprentice. So we're the same age. Um, and believe it or not, he's the hardest man I've ever known in my life. <laughs> black, black belt in Kung Fu. Um, and uh, I, I believe he's so uh, I catch up with him now and again on the phone. So it's, uh, you know, I miss them guys just as much as the players that have played with. You know, the dinner ladies and Carol and Betty that used to be there for years and years. And the chef and, and guys like that. Dougie Rose, who was the groundsman. You know, that sort of going up there at 10 o'clock they were and to have a cup of tea just before they were on their sort of break before lunch. Um and they'd be up there and we'd be having a cup of tea with them. And, and Dougie Rose was a, he put people down just like that. So, you know, uh, people he just, you know, we'd never ever met him before. And he'd only been there four weeks and he'd walk through the door and he'd say, all right, Doug. And he said, oh, he's still here. <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, excellent. I think it's a, you know, true reflection of a captain that those are your fondest memories of the club. Kevin, I've got to say, mate, it's been a, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. And fingers crossed, sometime soon we get our stuff together and we achieve, so you know, almost half. Certainly hope so. So yeah, do I. Certainly hope so. so Hopefully, it's not too far away. All right, nice one, Kevin.